to the Reads and Writes podcast with Cody Hosterman and Jason Massey. So Cody, what are we doing today? Well, you know what? Believe it or not, I think we're at, well, it's not VMworld, I guess. Uh, right, I know. We're Everybody's here. calling it VMworld, we're right? We're literally here. We're sitting on the show floor. Um, we're up on top of the pure storage booth because we have a little seating area here, which is nice. But we're looking out at all the vendors, hearing all the people chatting. It's been, it's been fun. It is. It's nice to be back in person at it, the VMware Explorer. VMware Explorer. <laughs> I have to really carefully say that. I keep saying, everybody's saying VMworld. You know, it's interesting. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I, you know, it, this kind of quote unquote post COVID world, um, conferences have changed, uh, attendance has changed, expectations are a bit different, you know, um, events are set up better to be hybrid and everything like that. I wasn't really sure. I wasn't sure, like, is what's the attendance going to look like? What's the energy going to be? And honestly, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised. I mean, like, I set my expectations low because everyone's like, I don't know what this conference is going to be. Like, every conference seems to be a question mark. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go in there. If I can have some good conversations, I'll be happy. But honestly, it's blown me away. I think it's been, it's been, it's been really, really great. It's like, I feel like we're back at it. I know. I, you know, I had a lot of good conversations, too. Uh, a lot of technical, really. People really wanting to learn about NVMe over fabrics. A lot of Evol's interest, which is great. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's been we've been starved for being back together again, being face to face, and being able to actually make those connections. It's something we haven't had for a while. Yeah, and I mean, like, and I think. I think a side effect here, for better or for worse, I think it's for better, is that our conference is going to get the same attendance that they had historically. I think the answer is no. I think that's across the board. Like, we're never going to get to these where, like, there's 100,000 people coming to a conference, right? I think, I think that's changed. Um, so what this generally means is the people that go, like, they really want to be there, right? They have real direct reasons. They have things they want to discuss. They have problems. They have issues. They have um, strategy they want to validate or review, right? And so I think the quality of conversation, quantity's still been high, right? I mean, like, it's not like we've been sitting around doing nothing. Um, it's been very busy. But the quality of the conversations we have is super high, right? Which, which I think has been really effective. That it's made our time here extremely productive and extremely valuable so that's that's worked out quite well yeah i've had some really good conversations and like you said just customers really having a specific agenda or something that they really want to find out and being able to catch you know whether it's a storage or networking or whatever it is you know or hear what's what's new it's really been something that customers have been, I think, starved for. You know, it's you can only get so much when you just go watch an online event or do a Zoom. But when you can come to this and get, you know, several different areas or get those key contacts, I think that really there's there's a lot of value to that. Yeah, it's just like I've had a billion with a B, you know, meetings yeah. over Zoom over the past three years or whatever it is. Um, and with customers, with internally, whatever, at VMware. And there's just this completely different vibe in person. It's just like, it's more open. I think it's more focused. It's more conversational. Like, you just can't 
can't quite match it on Zoom. And I, and I said, like, the, the chats I've had around the booth, I, can, I honestly, like, believe it or not, I'm not an extrovert. Like, I am not, I am an introvert. I'm not shy, but I'm not an, I'm not an extrovert. I, historically, I'd be like, uh, I'll come by the booth every so often. But honestly, like, it was just like, it was a lot for me as an introvert to, like, kind of hang around the booth for a long time. But, like, I really, like, in any free moment I've had this week, I've been at the booth and I've been really enjoying it because the quality of the conversation and the engagement, it's just not like this, like, hey, have you heard about your, you know, it's like, no, people are coming here. They want to talk about what they're doing, where things are going. Like, they've been really good conversations. They're not been sales pitches. They're just like, no, like, let's talk about architecture. Let's talk about the VMware product set. Let's talk about what we can do with it, right? And so I've, I've truly enjoyed it and, like, introversion aside, right? I kind of saw the same thing. I was having, um, you know, hanging out at the VMware booth or the Meet the Experts and just really good conversations. And I think because of the maybe not that typical 15 to 20,000 that we were used to with VMworld, it actually makes it a little easier to get some of those conversations where you don't have 15 people lined up to try and consume your time. It's, you know, two or three. And so you can actually spend some quality time talking to them. Yeah, no, definitely like the, the, the booth chats, I would say on average have been longer, but I think it's also due to the content of them, right? In the sense that it's not about someone coming by to pick up the tchotchke, right? It's someone coming by with like a reason. Like, because historically, I, like this happened to me at, you know, historically VMworld, at uh, when I did EMC World, when I was in EMC all the time. Day one, that's what it was like. Like, customers came to your booth because they had a specific thing they wanted to talk about. They wanted to have this conversation. Day two and three and whatever after that was usually like, all right, these people are just kind of coming up to like, can you give me the, 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 the ball? Swag. Or the swag or the whatever you're giving away, right? And they go, okay, I'll listen to you. Um, or like, I have a support case. I'm, you know, like the uh, that's been like that this entire time. So it's been it's been fun. And I would say like if I look at the conversations I've had, they've all revolved around pretty much a couple things. Um, BCDR, um, like just availability, disaster recovery, uh, restore, all that stuff. A lot of it. Um, container and Kubernetes investigation. I would say, and this, there could be some selection bias, it's hard to really say, but most folks are still the very nascent stages of figuring out what really is their container and Kubernetes strategy. I think one thing I've seen is that the shift to really modernize everything, if you will, is not there in the sense that they're like more strategic about it. I think we learned a lot about the move to public cloud where it's like, not everything needs to go there, right? Some things definitely should. Some things definitely should. And the question is what goes and what doesn't. And I think it's a very similar thing we're seeing here with containers is that like, okay, we learned that lesson, like maybe, right? Uh, so like, what should we containerize? What makes sense? What doesn't? Like, what, And this is along with VMware's strategy. It's a sense that like, there's going to be VMs forever. There's going to be containers. And there's also going to be metal. Like, if you look at Monterey stuff, right? And so, like, VMware's kind of engaging all three of those places now. Um, and uh, the, the container Kubernetes conversations are at that stage, too. Like, where should we go? How do we do this? How do we manage it, right? And I'd say that's another main one. And since this is a storage podcast, you know, I work in a storage company. Like, there's been a lot of storage-related conversations. We've all certainly number one in VMware Fabrics, like that's top of mind. Um, Vivol's top of mind. Uh, very interesting kind of 
segmentation. I yesterday I had two consecutive conversations. I mean, they've all been consecutive, but it was interesting. That this this consecutive conversation grouping was. I talked to a guy. He's like, "Yeah, we're a fire pound shop, but I want that stuff to just be melt and crush. I want to I want to move to NVMeTCP. Like that's what I want to move to. Fiber channels two point to point for me. I want more flexibility in my infrastructure. I want to go Ethernet. I don't want to go Rocky because of the networking requirements and hardware stuff. Um, so NVMeTCP is where I want to go, right? And then I was like, "Oh, you great. We talked about it. Cool." Then I talked to another we're a fiber channel shop. I'm like, oh, are you looking at NVMe Fabrics? Yeah, NVMe Fabrics fiber channel. Like, no thoughts around Rocky or TCPs. I'd rather die than give up my FC gear. Wow. You know, yeah. passionate, passionate opinions. Um, but uh, so I think, you know, the, the breadth of support that's being worked on is certainly important because people are kind of, they're going to go their own ways. You know, and with all of the Meet the Experts that I did on NVMe or Fabrics, that was really a big question. I was, they were, well, what if I have FC? I'm like, well, you just use FC. And if you already have FC, it's really easy. They're like, well, what if I don't have anything or I'm going to upgrade to 100 gig? I'm like, well, then you, TCP is very simple. And then there's, you know, there was a lot of questions, surprisingly, on the RDMA. But again, you know, it's making sure they understand there's a little bit of work to that. You're going to get some great performance, but it's not the easiest to set up. Yeah. So, but I agree. I, and, oh my gosh, the VBOGUS conversation, I it's, without even initiating, I've just, I keep hearing it everywhere. I mean, I have to say, you know, I... When we started this podcast, Jason, I, I I said to myself, I'm not going to turn this into just like B-ball series kind of thing, you know. But hey, we're here, when in Rome, right? Um, one thing that was really exciting was watching your session with Alex Carver on my team. Uh, I don't want to call it announcing because we kind of already have announced that it's happening, but like really officially saying like, not only is this coming, like there's code, like this is being worked, this is being written and worked on it actively. Here is a demo of it working of stretch storage with VVOLs, right? I mean, it's super critical for super critical applications. It's super critical for certain geos, right? In particular Europe to be able to support VVOLs and move forward with it and seeing the attendance. And I kept taking pictures because I was like, I took a picture. I'm like, hey, look, standing room only. And then like two minutes later, it's like uh, even more standing room only or more or less room, like just growing and the whole session, more people came. Um, and so every picture was not a representation of how many people actually were there because more people came after it. I took like eight pictures to try to capture it. And then afterwards, you know, um, Alex had this just mound of people around him after a session asking all these questions. So I know it's been a huge request for our customers. Uh, so it it's has. really exciting not only to have that session, but see the response to it. That was really cool. I think, and that's been something that customers have been asking both of us, right, is when is this coming out? And they, they keep hearing that, oh, yeah, it's being worked on, but to actually see that, look, there's progress. That, I think, really is going to give customers a little bit more comfort, I guess, that, look, we are actually working on this. This is actively being worked on, and there is a lot of development going into it. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that people don't necessarily understand about I mean, this is true about many things, but V-Balls in particular, is that there's a processor, right? And it's kind of like a, I'd say a three, 
three phase process, if you will. I don't know. I don't know how many phases. Count them after I'm done talking. Yeah. Um, beginning is all right. Let's agree to do something. All right. So agree on the goals. What do we want to do? What's a program we want to start? And then two, it's we need to build a specification, right? Because this is not just VMware working with Pure, right? This right. is this is an overall partner ecosystem, and so it needs to be a spec that others can support, and so it needs to be a quote-unquote open spec in that sense. And so this spec needs to be written and it needs to be reviewed and the partners that are interested provide feedback and there's a process to do that, right? Because different vendors want different things. VMware has to kind of negotiate through that. It takes some time, right? And so when we said we were working on it, we were, but we were working on the spec, right? Like two years ago, right? And that took some time. Um, and then the next phase is, okay, we've agreed on the spec, we finished the spec, and then the next phase is like, all right, who wants to be like the engineering design partner on this, right? Because you can be involved in the spec design, but maybe not necessarily be a design partner, right? Because you're maybe like, well, yeah, we do want to do this, but we won't be day zero partners or something like that, right? Um, and so the next process is figuring that out and then agreeing to design partnership. And then it's doing the engineering work, having the milestones. We are well into that engineering milestone. Oh, yes, part absolutely. Of this process, right? Um, and uh, it's it takes time. Uh, Vvols is an investment from VMware and storage vendors. Uh, it takes investment. It takes time. It takes architecture work, engineering work. Um, but in the end, it delivers something really, really powerful. Just you know, it's it's a it's a process, and yeah. we're getting close to the end of the process of a really important part of Vvols. Well, and so on that same note, right? One of the things that we have been talking about was NVMe over fabrics. Yep. yep. And one of the announcements that we did at the show floor and for VMware Explorer with vSphere 8 is NVMe over fabrics support for vVols. So again, really what you're seeing from VMware is there is a very dedicated focus on vVols. The primary focus for storage is on vVols. VMFS, NFS, all that stuff is still being worked on, but the primary focus is VMFS. And we're seeing similar, as you mentioned, with the partners as well. They see the value for all of these different areas, and Kubernetes is one of the one, Tanzu, you know, containers. You've mentioned several times the portability of a Vivo object and how that can work within an enterprise and across enterprises. And, you know, customers are starting to see that. We continue to say how how valuable that is, how simple it is. And then being able to manage, you know, I mean, this is our, our V-Ball pitch, is being able to manage now at an application level your storage capabilities instead of, we've always said the data store is where you focused with traditional storage and V-Balls you focus on the application. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I, I, not this is a useful answer or a question to answer rather, um, but it's still an interesting one is that like, is VVOLs more important for NVMe fabrics? Is NVMe fabrics more important for VVOLs, right? And and I, I think the answer is somewhere in the middle, but like I, I was, I've talked to a couple different customers recently, uh, and one flat out said, I'm not moving to VVOLs until it's support of NVMe fabrics, right? He's like, I want VVOLs, I want to do it. You know what, I'm not making a shift until I shift to these two new things, right? Like I, I want to, if I'm going to make a shift, I'm going to make a shift, right? And then others are like, I'm not going NVMe, I'm not going, um, NVMware Fabrics until VVOL supports it, right? Like, I'm not adopting at all, right? So I was like, I'm not adopting VVOLs until it has it, or I'm not adopting NVMware Fabric until it has VVOLs, right? And so there's customers that are kind of on, 
different sides of the same coin, but they're waiting for these things to come together. And I, and I think the reason I posed that question was one of the benefits I think around Emmyware Fabrics is not necessarily just the thing that everyone talks about, which is performance, right? Like, sure, it's important, but I think performance is going to be, it's going to, it's not going to be necessarily the first impact that it always has for everyone, right? I mm-hmm. think one of the things that's going to be most impactful about the Endgamer Fabric spec in general and what we can take advantage of is the, really the bi-directional control, the management, the, the, that feature part of it, the stuff that can be done that's in-band communication around environment changes, all that type of stuff. It was built in way more dynamic and flexible way than SCSI was for obvious reasons. It's 40 years newer, right? There's a lot more thought that came that, that comes along with that. Things were very static 40 years ago from an infrastructure mm-hmm. perspective. They're not today. And so, and we were was built for that. But then, like, shoehorning it behind something that's very static, like MFS, really, the only angle there, for the most part, is kind of like a performance thing, right? Which, there's still work up the stack to optimize, right? And so, there's a performance benefit, totally. But I think we still have work to do to fully realize that we can take advantage when it comes to the NVMe stack. Like that's, oh, I agree. That's a great thing. It's like, there's a lot of runway to make it even better. But the management stuff like to take advantage of how do we do that well we need something that is dynamic in and of itself when it comes to storage what is that it's vvox right and so i think there is a ton of opportunity to really not only take advantage of the performance that nvmware fabrics offers but also the other uh other benefits from a management and integration and communication perspective like that's where it can really shine and that's why i think vvox is so important for nvmware fabrics arguably more important for NVMe Fabrics than NVMe Fabrics is, is for VVOLs, at least immediately. Well, the, the two are almost, like you said, with that performance and that dynamic capability, it's almost like the two are really meant for each other because of that capability. I mean, the in-band, that's a, I had just had a customer ask me about that. They're like, well, how does this work? I said, well, that's what's unique is that because NVMe was designed from the ground up to do and work with NVMe devices, a lot of the communication is in band, so it's a lot more efficient. So now you pass that to, again, a native object on the array. Again, you're gonna get more benefits out of that than you would going into another file system that wasn't really written for it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So I'm excited. I think that's a really important flagship release here that comes with 8.0. So what else is is of note for you, Jason? Let's see, so, you know, we had what's new in core storage. So there's a couple of new things. The big thing was uh, the NVMe over Fabrics VVOL support. Um, We did a couple of NVMe enhancements as well. And this, again, is to try and bring things up to parity with SCSI. So we've increased the namespace and the padding. Uh, I'll put a note in the show floor to the release document so you can read into deep, into more detail. Uh, another one, which was extending reservation support. So, you know, we had done, we're always trying to figure out ways to not use RDMs, right? That four-letter word almost. And one of the things we had done with VMFS was the clustered VMDK. So we now also have extended that to NVMe over fabrics. So again, trying to keep NVMe over fabrics and VVOLs at the forefront of all of our technology has really been our, yeah, our and design. I think, and I think like, like so we have this search and destroy program around RDMs, yes. right? It's, 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 
it's akin to almost a religion for myself and Jason and then a lot of the core storage folks over at VMware is like, why are people using them? Let's figure out why, like we know why for the most part, and like let's remove those reasons or rather let's remove those objections from other formats like VBALs and VMware Fabrics. And one thing you'll note does not exist right now with NVMe Fabrics and is on not is on no roadmap at this point in time is raw device mappings with NVMe Fabrics. That's right. right. It is the line in the sand. It is not surviving past past SCSI, right? And so um, it's it's super important for us to obviously identify those reasons and get rid of them because it won't be the crutch that it is anymore. Like it's going, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And you know, it used to be, and it's surprisingly sometimes customers bring it up and they're like, "Oh, I use RDMs for performance." It's like, no, 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 that was like a long time ago when you did that. The only reason now is usually just hot extend is about the only thing left that, well, at least VVALs can't offer, and we're working on that. So again, like you said, is what do we need to remove so that customers don't have to do that manual process, that manual association? directly to a VM and really cripple their VM by doing that association. The other big thing, right, we, again, continuing the VVOLS functionality, we've done some performance improvements. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff with Pure, and we found out, you know, things that were happening, a little technical, but, you know, the, we call it the config VVOL, would unbind. It was a lazy unbind. And that wasn't a big deal because that's not where the I.O. goes, but anytime the VM is accessed, a vMotion, a change, or an NVRAM write, it would have to rebind that config VVOL, which would take just a little bit of time. And so sometimes, you know, power off, power on, vMotions could be impacted because of that. So we've set it up to where now the config VVOL stays bound. And by doing that, it really helps with those interim access to that config VVOL, which helps, like I said, with power on, power off, vMotions, even storage vMotions to another type because it doesn't have to go rebind that uh, config VVOL. Yeah, I think, I think features like that, while seemingly minor, are really important. I think this has been a critical part of the overall VVOL strategy over the past couple of years, right, is these issues uh, or design points or whatever, right, within the VVOL architecture that cause customer pain. Um, we weren't just going to work around it or patch it or tell them to reboot or, hey, don't do that again. No, what can we do or change in VVOL behavior from a, a VMware perspective, from a storage vendor perspective, or both, to really, truly solve that problem at the ground up, right? And so, like, these types of behavior changes and stuff like that are directly about addressing customer pain points. Yes. Um, so it can be better, right? And I think I think things like that I love to see. There's been a lot of them. In fact, at 7.0, there's a lot of just, like, incremental changes and improvements around VVOL and boss and all that handling and there's a ton more coming um, that are now beyond like I would beyond the fixed side of the house which we've gotten through now it's like a lot of just really cool improvements across the board yeah I, I totally agree and that's and that again is trying to really show customers that look this is the forefront and the priority for VMware and like the storage partners because we're trying to remove pain points if they're you know or enhance that will help either you know applications containers whatever it is all of these things are meant to make VVOL is the forefront of 
the best storage option for your virtualized environment. Totally. I, I think to kind of close up at least my thoughts on, on all this is that the next 18 months, like starting, like let's say today, yeah. right, are going to be the most exciting and interesting around Evolves, I think, since the launch of Evolves in 2015. I think it was only G8, 2015. So, like, yeah, like this is this is really the most exciting time. And I've been involved in it since well before that. And, like, totally, like, I am more excited right now about what's coming and what's being built, like, what is actively being built and worked on and coming than I've been since a long time ago. So, this is really Yeah, there is a lot of on the roadmap. Of course, a lot of stuff that we can't talk about, but still just a big one. Uh, some, as I continue on to some of the storage enhancements, uh, one of the things that we also updated was Unmap or Space Reclamation. And a lot of times that wasn't a problem for a lot of the flash arrays, but we actually saw where there were some customers reporting that in really large VDI environments, it wasn't a boot storm, it was actually a power off storm. So they'd power off, you know, two, 300 VMs, and all of a sudden there's two or 300 swap files that get deleted. And the normal rate, the minimum was 25 megabytes per second. But if you're talking about, you know, 30 data center or 30 data stores and 100 hosts, you're talking about possibly hundreds of gigabytes a second, which even on a flash array could possibly be an issue. So one of the things we've enabled now is customers can actually go and change the minimum rate down to 10 megabytes per or yeah, 10 megabytes per second. And so that's a per data store thing. Have you seen any customers that have run into that where it was even with an all-flash array that something like that at the 25 megabytes was too much because of the scale? Uh, the automated unmap, I would say um, not as much. Um, the unmap on, on flash array is basically like writing a zero. It's like fundamentally the same thing. Um, and we tell people to not write zeros to us to do performance testing because it's not a good performance test because it's amazing, right? I mean, like it's like basically like it's not even a pipe test, right? It's like it's like more than pipe because we're not writing the zeros; we're just discarding it. So it actually works pretty well with it. Where we've seen, a, I think, a lot of that hit um, is the more manual unmap procedures that people have run, where they can just kind of like just do as much as they possibly can, and then they can. They, a lot of times they script it, paralyze it, and stuff like that. So it hasn't been as big of a problem. I think the, some of the recent enhancements have been good, but like I can totally see at increased scale kicking those things off can be problematic, especially depending on the underlying architecture. So these these improvements and the changes that Amber's putting in there, I think, are really important, right? Because not not everyone has the, the biggest beefiest boxes out there, right? And even from small flash arrays, right? Like there's throughput is should be targeted at your workloads, not not cleaning some stuff up and so throttling that back can make a ton of sense. Yeah. Right. So yeah. You know, one of the other things that we, you know, we talk about VVOLs, of course, which is amazing, but that policy-based management and a lot of that being used for containers and being able to do management of your containers with a policy-based management. And that, of course, gets associated with your storage class. And one of the things that we've announced for vSphere 8 is that now you can set up your provisioning type in a policy. So now when you're setting up your storage class, if you want, you know, eager thick, 
they're lazy or thin, you can actually put that in a storage policy. Do you see a lot of customers, you know, taking advantage of that type of thing? I mean, with the flash, it's a little different, but. I mean, in the end, of course. I mean, especially if they're, you know, in this case, VMFS, um, it's one of the first questions that customers ask us around best practices, right? Is like, what virtual disk type should I use for what? What are the ins and outs? What are the pros and cons? Um, and while the differences have been diminished quite a bit due to right same improvements and all that type of stuff with VMFS, there's still a difference, right? They're different behaviors. They're different data paths, right, essentially for, for IOs. And so there is a reason to choose one or the other, right, when you're, when you're going to the VMFS world. Um, I mean, frankly, there's even a reason to choose thinner, thick, and VVOLs. It's a different reason, right? VVOLs, it's fully just about capacity chargeback. Like, I want to reserve this capacity, like, as a on my data store, like I wanted to say I'm using it whether or not, and then is like, no, I just wanted to perform what I'm actually writing. So it's like a more of a really a chargeback decision than anything else. Yeah. But on a VMFS, it's a performance decision. It might even be a feature decision, depending on what you're trying to do in the application. Certain things are supported on thin. So uh, yeah, no, this totally useful thing. And the first question customers ask is how big should my data stores be? Yes. Second question is what type of virtual disk should I use and when should I not use it and when should I? So enabling that um, for VMFS-based Kubernetes customers makes total sense because they're going to want that choice, right? Because they do literally have to make a choice. Right. And the, and the key, you know, putting it in a policy allows them to automate that process, right? As before, you either picked a data store that was thick or, and again, that's going to be a waste of space. So being able to essentially do this on VMFS or even VVOLs, but really that, like you said, the VMFS piece, being able to do that at a VM level makes those persistent volumes or those FCDs a lot more efficient because now you're not doing it across the entire data center or the data store, excuse me. So yeah, a lot more efficient in that aspect. You know, it's interesting, like when you say like, um, Initially at, on the Cure, we didn't actually support thick and thin provision VVOLs. We only the thin. We're like, why would you do thick? There's really no reason for it because thick doesn't mean anything on an all-flash array that's all deduped and everything like that. But one thing, one behavior that we saw was that certain certain deployments would always default to thick. Like I think there was like some OVA deployment mechanisms, mm -hmm. and I think yeah. swap was always. And so there'd be these like failures in deployments, and it would be like a you know an error saying provisioning type not supported. And so it was just a kind of a bad customer experience, even though they didn't. They might prefer thin or something like that, but like they wouldn't. They either couldn't have the choice because it was like swap or something, um, or uh, it was an OVA deployment, and so adding thick support just removes all those failures, right? And so in the end, it doesn't really matter to the customer. And so we added it just to kind of improve the customer experience. Not that really customers were asking us for it. Like I can count on this one finger, how many people maybe asked us directly for thick, but uh, we added it just to kind of improve the overall experience because certain things have an expectation, certain automated procedures have an expectation of it being thick. Right. Yeah, even though the array just kind of disregards yeah, zeros, right? It's like, no yeah, whatever, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna write those, but I'll acknowledge that yeah, aspect. We, we will tell VMware that it is thick and the VVOL data store will say, yes, the capacity is provisioned, meaning that like it's reserved on it. So like you can't over provision using that, but like on the flash array, it's volume is volume is volume is volume. Right. 
Yeah, it's some pretty exciting stuff. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's... Between NVMe, Vivals, even the CNS, CSI, Tanzu stuff, I mean, a lot of cool storage announcements. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, the improved auto discovery around Rocky with NVMe yes. Fabrics, oh, yeah. right? Yes, oh yeah, I like, forgot about that part. Uh, F the FC discovery process was always pretty nice and slick, and the Rocky was a couple more steps, and um, this helps really bridge that gap. So I think, like, a lot of just improvements around the day zero uh, and around taking advantage of the more dynamic nature of what, what NVMe Fabrics has to offer. So yeah, a ton going on. I mean, obviously, also, this vSAN 8, and if you want the details on that, go check out uh, the vSpeaking podcast. They go into quite detail there with Pete. Pete, Pete, and John, of course. Um, but uh, it's uh, a lot going on. So it was exciting, exciting for the storage world here at yeah. VMware Sports. And glad to be back in person again. It's always this is something we, we've, a lot of us have missed. It's true, it's true. Well, you want to wrap us up, Cody? I'd say we do. As you know, we're um, uh, not 100% read here, but we're always 100% right. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.